Now that's how you celebrate, don't you think? Merry Christmas. You know, the, the thing about Christmas that I really want you to understand this afternoon is that Christmas is powerful. It's really powerful. Maybe you haven't experienced that yet. Maybe you felt the nostalgia of it or, or you know, thinking back to Christmas's past with family or someone close or, or maybe even just the good warmth, warm feel that you have when you get together with family, if you're lucky, because, you know, Christmas can be one of the loneliest times if you're at home sitting on your couch by yourself. Community of faith understands that. But here's the thing. A lot of us, we, we've kind of had a little bit of trouble thinking about Christmas being truly historical, you know? Is it really real? Was it really based on real events? I've had people tell me, said, I don't really need to believe that because, you know, I just kind of enjoy the, the good feelings of Christmas and I don't worry about all that stuff. And it's really not the time when you want to tell your mom that maybe you don't really believe in Christmas, you know, because you still want to come over for Christmas dinner, right? Still want to get presents. Um, you still don't want to be written out of the will at Christmas. So here's, here's the thing. It's okay if you have questions about it. And if that's you, welcome and know that these next verses we're going to share with you might be some of the most important verses in all of the Bible for you. You see, I want you to go with me just for a minute. Come with me. We're going to go way, way back. Back past Charlie Brown, you know. That was my growing up. It was like, Christmas time is here. Right? Apple owns the rights to Charlie Brown now. You didn't see it at all, hardly, did you? Uh, they, got, they need to just spread the love or something. But then you go past Rudolph, past Frosty. Let's go way back, even past Santa Claus, and let's go way back to that very first Christmas. Are you ready? The first Christmas is about real people. Mary and Joseph were real people. In fact, I want you to look with me at this passage. It's in the book of Luke, and it's in chapter uh, one of Luke. Luke was a man who lived in that first century. He was a contemporary of Peter, James, John, those disciples, he was a contemporary of Mary, the mother of Jesus. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Greek, but he was um, a physician, a doctor. He was really well-educated. He traveled all around with Paul. And as he traveled with the apostle Paul, people would say, we've heard all these things about Jesus. We're just wondering what's true and what's not. And so look at what Luke did. Let me just read to you. Luke 1.1, 1, 1. he says, dear friend, I'm writing for you, mighty lover of God, an orderly account of what Jesus, the anointed one, accomplished and fulfilled among us. Several eyewitness biographies have already been written using as their source material the good news preached among us by his early disciples who became loving servants of the living expression. But now I am passing on to you this accurate compilation of my own meticulous investigation based on numerous eyewitness interviews and thorough research of the story of his life. You've been asking to get a really clear picture of Jesus' life. Well, I went and I talked to Mary. I went and I talked to Peter. I went and I talked to James and John and James, the brother of Jesus. I, I went and got these eyewitness. And it's interesting because he was writing in Greek. The New Testament is written in Greek. It's Koine Greek, most of the New Testament, which means the common Greek. 
Well, he's writing here in classical Greek, which is really flowery, but he's highly educated. Now, he, he drops down into the regular common Greek after these verses, but he says in these first part, he's writing in this flowery Greek, and he says, I got eyewitness biography, eyewitness account. It's an interesting word there in, in the Greek. It's autoptes, autoptes. We get our word autopsy from it. He said, it's an eyewitness account. He said, I went back and I basically did an autopsy of this whole thing. What he's saying is, I basically went back and CSI'd this whole Jesus thing, okay? And and I want to deliver that to you. I meticulously researched it. And he goes on, it's appropriate for me to write this, for Jesus also appeared to me, so that I would reassure you beyond any shadow of a doubt the reliability of all you've been taught of him. See, the Bible says that Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to 500 people at one time, as well as many others. Maybe thousands of people saw him. And Luke was one of those. And somehow Jesus, when he saw Luke, he got across to him, I want you to do this. I want you to write this. I want you to put this down. And it's been meticulously copied by people down through history. And they've just really worked to keep it just exactly word for word the way that Luke penned it in the first place. I want you to know that Christianity is not about belief in belief. It's not about, well, I just gonna have faith in faith, you know? It's based on history. It's something that actually happened. The first Christmas came to real people. And it's important that we get that because if we don't get that, then we won't understand how to have the power of Christmas for ourselves. Because Mary and Joseph, they were real people. But that first Christmas, it had a real cost. And that's what we've got to understand. Christmas has a real cost. We don't feel that if we feel like it's just a fairy tale. But if we understand that it's real, we understand that Christmas has a real cost. And some of you are going like, you're telling me my credit card is maxed out, right? I'm not talking about that kind of cost. That's a self-imposed one, right? But... I want you to see the the cost, this great cost of the first Christmas. Luke goes on in verse 26 of chapter one to tell the story. He says, six months later in Nazareth, a city in the rural province of Galilee. See, that doesn't start like once upon a time, does it? And, And it doesn't begin like long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away or anything like that. It's, hey, in this town that you know at this time, This happened six months later in Nazareth. The heavenly messenger Gabriel made appearance. This time, the messenger was sent by God to meet with a virgin named Mary who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David himself. The messenger entered her home. Okay, ordinary day, ordinary family. Actually, it was a peasant family. It was a really poor family. Mary came from a really poor family. And all of a sudden, the messenger of God is there. Now, what does an angel look like. I asked that last night and a little kid on the second row said, he got some big old wings. And anytime you guys want to help me with the sermon, feel free. Okay. Because but I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the angel looked like. Maybe he looked just normal until the sun shone on him. And then he began to like, you know, no, that was, that was another movie I saw too. Um, but you know, here's the thing. We don't know for sure, but she knew it was a messenger from God. And 
if God's going to break into time and space, he's going to have to do something a little unusual, don't you think? Something that maybe we haven't seen. And so that's what he does. But he breaks in and he asks this teenage girl who's engaged to be married, he asks her to do something. And it's so shocking. And it's so world-changing that it's affected the lives of literally billions of people down through those 2,000 years since Mary. And it affected her life, the rest of it. Listen to what he says. Greetings, you are favored. The Lord is with you. Among all women on the earth, you've been blessed. The heavenly messenger's words baffled Mary. She wondered what type of greeting is this? Because he says, you're favored. You're favored. He goes on, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. It's interesting that don't be afraid in the original languages. Don't yield to your fears. That's a good word for 2020, isn't it? Don't give in to those fears. But he said, you found favor with God. I think she's baffled because what does that word favor even mean? Now, some of you, you think, well, I've seen it on TV or something, like some televangelist going like, send me $100 and I'll pray God's favor over you, right? That's not what I'm talking about. Favor is something that you want, something that you long for, something that even if you didn't know it, it's something that you dreamed of. And it's something that God has for you this afternoon. He does. That's what we've been praying for. You're gonna find out what that is and you're gonna find out how to receive it and it's gonna impact the rest of your life when you understand that. So he says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Listen, you're gonna become pregnant. Some of you are going, I don't need that favor, right? Okay. You will have a son and you must name him Savior or Jesus. That's what Jesus means, Savior. Jesus will become the greatest among men. He'll be known as the son of the highest God. God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the covenant family of Jacob forever. Okay, so the messenger comes and says, I'm Gabriel. Hi, I'm Mary. That's great. You're favored. You're gonna get pregnant. What? What's a, that's a conversation opener, right? You know? And not only that, he, he says, that's not the half of it. He goes on and says, and it's gonna be God's son. And he goes on talking about that. Now, what I love about Mary as a teenager, she's probably somewhere between... I don't know, 16, 17 years old at the most because they got married early back in that day. And Mary kind of has a technical question, you know, I mean, and she says basically to Gabriel, all right, let's say, you know, I'm in on this, um, but you did explain this one technical issue that it seems like we might have. Verse 34, I've never been with a man. How is this possible? And verse 35 is the how of the virgin birth. It's the only explanation of the virgin birth in all the Bible. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. That's why this holy child will be known as not just your son, but the son of God. Well, I don't know about you, but that's not very clear, you know? You know, there's this thing in our culture, um, maybe you've heard this word mansplaining. You know what mansplaining is? <laughs> Some of you look like you do. Some of you guys are going, oh no, not mansplaining. It, it's, it's, I think it kind of comes from the fact that your wife is smarter than you and you don't realize it, you know? And, and so she comes and she says, oh, I'm really struggling with something. And what she wants you to do is hold her, but you try to give her four things about what she can do, right? 
And she doesn't want that. She just wants you to hold it because she already knows the four things and she's smarter than you, right? I think that's man. I think what I'm doing right now kind of sounds like mansplaining. I'm not sure, but <laughs> Laura's looking at me out of the corner of my eye over there. You know, but here's a thing called God-splaining. Have you ever thought about God-splaining? See, explaining, God's not really into it. You notice that? I mean, well, you know, but how's this gonna happen? Well, God's gonna overshadow you. Oh, well, that explains it, you know? Have you asked him about 2020? I have a lot, you know, especially with all this stuff going on extra too, you know? It's like, so COVID and the knee and, you know, I'm listening, I'm listening. You know what God said to me? Nothing. He's not into explaining a lot of stuff. Now, Laura's gonna tell you a theory that she has, and I don't think it's just a theory. I think she nailed it. Again, she's smarter than me, but I think you're gonna see it when she says that. But this cost Mary everything, if you think about it. So Mary, it cost her her wedding. I mean, she's gonna have this wedding to Joseph. She's engaged to Joseph, and well, the wedding's off. She's pregnant, and they don't really do that back in that day. They're not gonna just go ahead and have the wedding. That's not how it works. And, it, and divorce is a very real possibility. But divorce back in that day, if it was really taken to the nth degree, you could be stoned to death for getting pregnant before you get married. And, you know, Joseph, I mean, these are real people. Put yourself in his place. He's going to divorce her. He's going to do it quietly because the Bible says he's a good man. But your you're, you're bride-to-be, she comes to you a couple of months for the wedding. She says, honey, I'm pregnant, but it's okay because it's God's baby. Yeah, that's all right. That's easy to believe, right? I mean, think about that for a minute. And even her friends, can you imagine? I mean, uh, an angel had to appear to Joseph, the same one, and he said, Joseph, it really is God's baby, okay? You know, that's how he went ahead and went with her. But her friends are going, Mary, you're wearing out this whole thing with the God baby thing, you know? I don't think anybody's really buying that. Think about it. Mary endured scandal. I mean, she went ahead and got married. She had other kids after Jesus, the Bible says, half-brothers of Jesus, because his dad was God, right? But there was scandal over her house. There was this cloud of, you know, remember when Mary, for 2,000 years, some people have said she was just promiscuous. She had to endure all of that. And not only that, but the worst thing that a mother could ever endure, I want you to imagine, as it was Mary, we see, at the foot of the cross, her son, her firstborn, the one she loved with all of her heart, he's dying on a cross naked for the sins of the whole world, we find out, but she has to endure that. Can you imagine what that felt like? That was God's favor on her. And you said, well, if that's favor, I think I'll give it a pass. No, here's the thing. Favor has a huge cost, but it's so so worth it. It's what you've been longing for. And that's what I want you to see. Laura's gonna share with you the difference that Christmas makes when we understand this whole idea. So Christmas is for real people and it comes with a real cost, but that's the thing we want you to see today, that Christmas makes a real difference. You know, I think the history of a church, we see Mary portrayed kind of as this otherworldly kind of mystical figure. And if you look at paintings of her, she looks beautiful and serene and, and almost unreal. And I think that's 
kind of unfair because that's not how she was. We hear about her in Luke, like Mark said, that she was a very real person. She had real doubts and she had real questions, but she also had a very real faith. And that's what I want you to see today. The angel had just shared with her, like Mark said, everything that was going to happen to her. And he finishes with these words in verse 36. It says, Mary, it sounds impossible, but listen. You know your relative Elizabeth has been unable to bear children and is now far too old to be a mother. Yet she has become pregnant as God willed it. Yes, in three months, she will have a son. Not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible with God. And this faith that Mary had just welled up inside of her when she heard these words and listened to her response to the angel. She said, I belong to the Lord Body and soul, replied Mary. Let it happen as you say. And at this, the angel left her. I think without exaggeration, we can say this is one of the greatest statements of faith in the whole Bible, all throughout scripture. It's amazing what Mary said here. Mary said, yes. She said yes to God. She said yes to the impossible. She said yes to the miracle of God. I mean, she took a deep breath and said, okay, I'm in. God, whatever you want to do, I'm in. And with those words, Christmas came into the world. That's the good news of Christmas. Nothing is impossible. It was true 2,000 years ago, and it's still true today for you and me. All we have to do, like Mary, is say, yes, God, I'm in. I know some of you are carrying heavy burdens. This has been a hard year for so many of us. Some of you today probably feel pretty lonely. Maybe your kids or family members can't come to town for Christmas because of the virus. Maybe you are facing a financial crisis this year has done a number on your business or on your job. Maybe you're out of a job and you have no prospects to find a new one. Maybe your kids are struggling. It may be that you're facing a crisis in your marriage that seems beyond hopeless. Maybe you're wondering about this Christmas. You're estranged from your family members. Maybe you feel far away and lonely. You feel far away from God even. The thing I want you to see about all of those situations is that there's nothing humanly possible that we can do to solve them. I mean, if we could, we would have solved them, right? But there's no way to do it by a human means, and that's why Jesus came. That's the miracle of Christmas. Nothing is impossible. Jesus came to bring us hope, and that's why Christmas makes a real difference for every one of us. The angel said that Mary was highly favored, and what I want you to see about that is she wasn't favored because of something special that she did or something special that she was. She was highly favored by God because he loved her. He chose her. He poured out his favor upon her. You know, Mark and I have Normally at Christmas, we put up two Christmas trees, and one of them is the big, beautiful tree with all the grass, grass, all the glass (laughs) and crystal ornaments, Um, the one you don't want anybody to touch, right, because you don't want anything to break. And then we have another little tree, a little uh, more rugged (laughs) tree, Um, and this one, 
honestly is my favorite because we put on it all. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It is. And we put on all those ornaments that we've collected across the years. You know, some of them that the kids have made and the grandkids have made or we bought on a trip somewhere. and, And we know the story behind every one of those ornaments. And they're special to us. Each one is unique and special. A couple years ago, our granddaughter Zoe was at the house and she was helping me decorate that tree. And I remember she would pull each ornament out and hold it up to me. And I'd say, oh, Zoe, that one's so special. I love that one. It's my favorite. And she would put it on the tree. And then she would pull out another one. And I would say, oh, Zoe, let me tell you where I got that one. I love that one. It's my favorite. And she would stick it on the tree. And we did that through all of the ornaments and got them all on the tree. And by the end, every one was my favorite as I explained it to Zoe. But here's what I want you to see tonight. God is here among us in the room. And as he looks out across the room, that's exactly what he sees, his favorites. I mean, he looks over there and he says, oh, look, there's Whitney. Oh, she's been working night and day taking care of those kids. And she just got a new job. She's not really certain how she's going to do it all. But I love how she stays kind and compassionate toward everyone. I love that one. She's my favorite. And then he looks out across the room. It's like, oh, Yeah, I remember this one. I've had this one for a long time. He was born out in that little cabin in the woods. The first day he went to school was the first day he had electricity. And he had four children. He he watched one of them die by polio. And then he nursed his wife for all those years. And now he's living alone, courageously, by himself. Oh, I love that one. He's my favorite. Continues to look across the room. Oh, look. Oh, yeah, that one's a little rough around the edges. I mean, she's really been through it. I remember when her husband was unfaithful to her, and she saw her whole dream of the perfect marriage come crashing down. I remember just easing her through it, helping comfort her and relieve her pain, and, and I had to remind her that I still had good plans for her. Yeah, she's been through it, but she shines in the dark. I love this one. She's my favorite. And he would say that about every one of us as he looked out across the room. That's who God is. That's what he does. You are his favorite. Wherever you are, if you're in the room or online and you're listening to the sound of my voice, I want you to know that tonight, that you are highly favored. God has chosen you. That's what it means to be favored by God. You know, because the angel had mentioned her relative Elizabeth, Mary packed up her things and she went to see Elizabeth. And when she got there, it was all confirmed what the angel had told her. Elizabeth was expecting. And Mary was overcome with emotion at realizing the fact that all of these things were true. And she responded again, this time with a song. Everything in her just swelled up. You know, there's a Christmas song that's become popular probably in the last decade. I don't know. Well, I do know. You have heard this song (laughs) many times on the radio. It's called Mary, Did You Know? But here's the thing, if you really read Mary's song in the scripture, there is no question. Mary knew. She knew that what God said was true, and she knew exactly what was going to happen to her, that the Savior was coming. Mary's song is an incredibly strong affirmation of her faith and her commitment to the Lord. Mary was so overcome with these two encounters, with the angel and then with her cousin Elizabeth, 
that everything in her just welled up and it came out in beautiful poetry. It came out in a song. I want you to hear what she said in beginning in verse 46. It says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. And she goes on to recount the holiness and power of God and what he's done down through the generations and knowing the holiness and power that's going to be displayed in her as she gives birth to the Savior. Have you ever been so overwhelmed with emotion that it just came out of you that way in song or in poetry, maybe in dance? That's what happened to Mary that day. She was worshiping God. It just flowed from her. Now, Mary's song may seem a little distant. It happened 2,000 years ago, after all. So I want you to hear Christy's story tonight. Some of you know Christy. If you volunteer in our cafe, you've experienced her compassion and her love for people. You've seen the joy on her face as she serves everyone who comes onto our campus every weekend. But it wasn't always that way for Christy. But there came a day when God gave Christy a song, when she realized that she had been highly favored by God and everything in her welled up and produced a song, produced poetry. And Christy would be the first one to tell you she's not a poet at all. But this beautiful childlike rhyme welled up outside of her heart. And I want you to hear her story in her words tonight. Before I met God, my life was a mess. I did what I wanted, I couldn't care less. I was like a tornado, destruction everywhere. What I did to others really wasn't fair. No one understood that I was in pain. My mind was against me, I thought I was going insane. Everyone said, why won't she behave? No one knew I wanted to be in a grave. I just didn't want to be on this earth anymore. I was broken, misunderstood, and knocking on death's door. I stopped caring and alcohol became my friend. I had issues and problems that only God could mend. And down that dark rabbit hole I went. Grey Goose was how my money was spent. I didn't realize I had to hit rock bottom. My drinking had become everyone's problem. I didn't turn to God in any of this. And soon freedom was what I was going to miss. After seeing my face four different times, the judge said I would pay for my crimes. You know you're facing two to 10. I have the power to send you straight to the pen. He had given me chance after chance after chance. He was tired of doing the same little dance. I was sent back to my cell with fear and dread. God whispered in my ear and this is what he said. Surrender to me and give up all this strife. You need to stop drinking and living the wildlife. He showed me that day I really did need him and decided to give me one more chance at freedom. I got on my knees, I had to confess. In order to be saved, in order to be blessed. This story to you probably sounds odd. But this was my life before I met God. 
Six years ago, I decided to listen. I straightened up, stopped playing the victim. God decided to take another chance on me. So I took another chance at sobriety. Why would he want me? I'm not shiny and new. I've been broken into pieces and put back together with glue. Hate to admit it, that's how it was. My drinking was way past getting a buzz. None of this would have been possible had I not heard that powerful gospel. I was taught progress, not perfection. And then about Jesus and the resurrection. 12 steps of making amends, 10 commandments and that God never condemned. The difference between religion and being spiritual. Me still being here really is a miracle. I'm no longer living my life as a fraud. Didn't I tell you how I met God? To pass knowledge on, don't let it collect dust, like a book on a shelf or a bite full of rust. A piece of advice to those who are new. You must be honest, to thine own self be true. Without him in my life, who knows where I'd be? That's why I'm so thankful. God chose me. Christy's one of God's favorites. You can see why, can't you? Her life has been transformed, and many of you understand that. You know what she's talking about because your life has been transformed as well. But some of you out there today are still wondering. You're still hoping for an experience, longing for that today. And that's what I want you to know. That's what Christmas is. That's the real difference that Christmas can make. God is ready to do a miracle in your life. All you have to do is respond like Mary did and say, yes, God, I'm yours, body and soul. Be it done to me according to your will. And he steps in and he showers his favor upon you. You know, Mary was chosen to carry the son of God. That was God's favor on her. And she carried him, obviously, in her body and gave birth to him. She carried him as an infant. She carried him to the temple. She carried him to family gatherings. And she carried him in her heart all the rest of her life. God has given us the same favor. He wants us to carry him as well. He's chosen us to carry Jesus to the world, to carry the Savior to the world. And all we have to do is respond like Mary did. Author Bob Goff has a book called Everyone Always. If you haven't read it, I recommend it to you highly. But the idea of it is that as followers of Christ, we are to love everyone always. And it's become one of my prayers almost daily. You know, God, help me to love everyone always. Help me to love everyone today in every situation, in every conversation with every person. Let me be Jesus to them. Be that in me. That's what Mary did. That's what Christy is doing. And that's what God wants for you and me, that we would be Jesus to the person, every person always around us, even to your in-laws this Christmas. Maybe you need to remember that as well. But that's God's favor. He chose her. Mary was also chosen to know the Son of God intimately. That's God's favor on her. I mean, what could be more, more intimate than bearing a child and raising that child? And did you know God wants intimacy with you too? That's one of his plans for you. That's one of his desires for you. You may be kind of like me this year and be thinking, God, really? 
I mean, why did you allow 2020? I don't understand that. But here's the thing I've learned about difficult days and difficult times. God allows those things in our lives, or at least he has allowed it in my life, because it's in those moments that I find a deeper intimacy with him as my father. And that's what he wants for us. That's what he wants for you. What if God stopped the world in its tracks this year and he shut everything down so that you would have time to get alone with him and get to know him better? He would do that for you. He wants that intimacy with you. What if he sent this pandemic for you this year? I'm not blaming you don't hear that. But God wants to use it in your life. He wants to draw you into a deeper intimacy with him. He wants you to learn aspects of him that maybe you've never experienced before. Maybe he wants you to know more of his power and his strength, more of his patience. Maybe he wants you to understand him in the role as the true and faithful lover of your soul that you've never experienced before. That's what God is doing. He's drawing you in to intimacy with him. That's what it means to have God's favor on your life. And Mary was chosen to walk with the Son of God daily. That's God's favor. She walked with him daily. She bathed him, dressed him, clothed him, fed him, tended to his boo-boos, nursed him when he was sick. I mean, she mothered him on a daily basis. And God says, that's what I want with you too. I want you to walk with me daily. I want to be a part of everything that's going on in your life. You know, Jesus didn't just arrive that very first Christmas, but he comes every day. And he says, let me walk with you. Let me know you. Let me be a part of your life. And all you have to do is say, God, I'm in. Yes, say yes to him. I'm yours, body and soul. And listen to this promise in Psalm 23, 6. Surely, Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Every day of your life, God is pursuing you. He wants to pour out his favor on you. He wants to pour out his love and blessing upon you. That's what it means. That's the power of Christmas. That's what makes Christmas real to us. My prayer for you this Christmas, and Mark's prayer as well, I know, is that you will fall in love with Jesus to such an extent that it just wells up out of your soul and pours out onto everyone around you. Maybe it's a song, maybe it's a dance, maybe it's a poem, I don't know, however it is God has gifted you, but that that love you have for the Savior would come out of you in such a way that everyone knows that you are God's favorite and you are favored and loved by him. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for Christmas. We are grateful for Jesus that you saw ahead of time and knew that we would need a savior and you made a plan and you sent Jesus here to be that savior. God, we thank you and praise you and bless you for that. God, I thank you that even in this room today that you are speaking to our hearts, you are reminding us of how dearly you love us and how you want us to know you. And God, I pray for those in the room today, those online today that Maybe you're wondering, could God really love me? Have I not done too much? God, I pray that you would speak so very clearly down into the depths of their soul that they would know that they are dearly loved, that they are chosen by you, that all they have to do is say, yes, God, I'm yours. 
so that's our prayer that you would do that all across this room tonight and all across the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you've heard the words. Now I want you to feel the power. You see, there's a power in Christmas. You're here, and you're, or maybe you're watching online, and you're going like, uh, "Hey, Mark, I'm definitely not one of Mark's, uh, one of God's favorites. I'm not one of God's favorites. That's for sure. You don't know my life. I have prayed for you. Laura has prayed for you. Our church has prayed for you." And we said, God, get your favorites here in this service. Let them fight through the shame. Let them fight through whatever it takes. You say, well, I think I'm just here by accident. My wife dragged me. There's no accidents. If you're watching online, it's not an accident. You're his favorite. He wants you to know it. There's a tremendous power that he's put in his church, not in Laura and me, but in his church, community of faith. And Community of Faith wants to say a blessing over you, and we want it to move through this holiday season into 2021. We want things to be different for you. We want you to experience God like you've never experienced God. And so I speak over you on behalf of this church, God's power, and I say, may his favor be upon you. To a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. May his presence be with you, and around you, in front of you, behind you, beside you. May his presence be within you. He is for you. Hear it, he is for you. Mary, so long ago, what she would say, she said, amen. That's where we get amen from in the Bible. Amen, you know what it means? I receive it. I accept it. So be it. Let it happen unto me that way. And so as the band comes and sings this over you right now, there's going to come a time in the song when it says amen, amen, amen. You sing it. You say, I don't sing. Well, speak it. Scream it. If you're willing to pay the cost, you'll find the favor of God. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. I step into this with all that I am. I love you so much. We care for you so much. Receive this right now as the band, as Community of Faith sings over you. <laughs> 